When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 54. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mr. and Mississauga. Hello there. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. Sorry. How's it going? <laughs> That's why I didn't say anything because I was waiting for that. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, waiting. I'm going, yeah, I haven't finished yet. Okay, gotcha. And actually, it's not Mr. and Mississauga. Just, it's Mississauga, Ontario. But I just, you know, for those of you transporting at home, graduate mm-hmm. heads looking at Mr. Mr. Saga yep. or Mr. and Mississauga. Alrighty, so we'll dive in with some ha- fact check. This is from last week's show, uh, episode 53, I guess. That would be mm-hmm. make sense, right? So, um, yeah, Doctor Who. I talked about Doctor Who, the five doctors was the name of the episode. It was on PBS 23rd of November 1983, which is the 20th anniversary of the original broadcast of the show. It actually, small little factoid it, uh, no, that's not the right word, use of the word factoid, but small um, bit of information is that uh, it actually pre- it actually broadcast a couple of days later in in, in Britain. So it was on PBS on the exact uh, 20th anniversary. It starred Peter Davidson, Patrick Thornton, John Pertwee, Tom Baker was in the in the show, but they used reused old footage because he didn't want to. He didn't think, you know, he he wanted to be, have more screen time, or he didn't feel that it was worth his time. Um, and Richard Hundle played the first Doctor, so it was the first five Doctors in the episode in the show. Um, and because, but it was not, it was an actor playing the first Doctor because William Hartnell had died ten years year, earlier than that was shown. Um, and another small little bit of information for those of you who don't know that Peter Davidson is actually David Tennant's 
father-in-law. Hmm. We talked about that in the past where um, when they go out to dinner, it's really weird because people are confused because there's two doctors at the table. So, anyway, so, um, and yeah, we were also talking, the next piece of fact, uh, fact check had to do with the movie Spaceballs. And uh, the quote is, I am your father's mother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. Yeah. And uh, there's a clip here showing a, a longer, a more extended clip showing the time when they, they kind of meet up and um, and uh, Dark Helmet meets up with our, with the hero of the show. Um, and uh, he says, well, what does that make us? He goes, absolutely nothing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then my favorite scene from that show is now is now. They, uh, they want to find out what, what could possibly happen. And so the, the second in command says to Dark Helmet, well, we'll just get the VHS and load it up and see what happens in the movie. And then that's when they get confused about now is now. Yep. Now, we, um, we were talking about the, the Romulan companions that live at Chateau uh, Picard. Uh, I had originally pronounced it correctly in the show, but then we started calling it Zahan. But it's actually Zaban is the name of the male character, the male Romulan, from Rom- northern Romulan, it turns out. We yep. learned in this episode, along with Lars. And uh, there was a newbie mentioned. I mentioned a newbie that they meet on the uh, the, the ship, uh, the Romulan cube. Or, sorry, not the Romulan. Yeah, the Romulan cube. Let's call it, let's call it that. Um, they're reclaiming the cube. But um, it was Dr. Nathana. Uh, I can't say this word. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes. But she's actually a Trill from the Trill Polytechnic. So I think uh, I wasn't. I, I wasn't. I didn't notice that she was a Trill at first. But um, in subsequent watching, watchings, I have noticed. So I'm, I assume since she was, you know. They made fuss over her. She'll probably turn out to be a, an important character in an episode or two. Not this episode, but you know, coming up, I would think. And um, sorry, that's, that was that the character that uh, that um, Soji was like helping get yes, all set oriented, up. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't know she was troll either. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think I looked at it again. She's got you know the markings that um, oh, Jadzia Jadzia and, had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. she. So obviously the the doctor is not the woman on the screen. She's the doctor is the trill, right? Mm-hmm. Um. If, if you don't know what a trail is, then, you know, well, sorry. Go watch some DS9. Yeah, watch some DS9. Yeah. Uh, and I mentioned last week it was the original Doctor Who set. Clearly, it's not the original Doctor Who set. It was a Doctor Who set that was, uh, there was a TV show called um, Adventures in Time and Space, which is about the original, the origins of Doctor Who and William, William Hartner being cast as the original Doctor. And so if to make that show, they had built a brand new uh, Doctor Who set. It's been reused a few times by the Doctor Who since that show ever came out. So you might want to look that one up, Jaime, if you're curious about the, the origins of Doctor Who, um, the the very, very original uh, stuff, right? Yeah. It, it, when you guys mentioned, I was like, I'll take your word for it. This uh, Jodie Foster is my, uh, sorry, Jodie Whittaker. Jodie Whittaker is Jody my... Jodie Foster? She'll be the next Doctor. Jody <laughs> the <Foster>. next Doctor. <laughs> Jodie Whittaker is my, my first Doctor. And so a lot of these uh, Easter egg details I wouldn't pick up on. I totally believe you guys when we were talking about it. And I think it's going to be very similar for folks who are jumping onto Picard with that being uh, super familiar with a lot of the TNG and, and etc. Uh, era. So it definitely gives me some some empathy for folks who are a little confused by some of the degree details. Yeah, and just a little, little scoop for our uh, our listeners. Tim and I make up one out of every five facts just to mess up with Jaime. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just throw random Doctor Who facts in to see if he's paying attention or if he's, you know... <laughs> Actually, we don't do that. No Doctor Who's ever eaten, you know, yeah. you know strawberries Doctor Who's renowned for 50 yeah. years of the show. I'm like, yeah, I, I believe it must be like yes. a Gallifrey Time Lord thing. I, I'm sure. Timey-wimey. Yeah. Timey-wimey. Yeah, timey-wimey. Well, it's it's interesting, though, when you think about it, um, not to alienate people of my generation, but and who might be listening to the show, all three of you. Um 
that I think David Tennant is probably most people's first doctor, right? I mean, um, Eccleston was was kind of grumpy, and, and I don't know if if his character really was winning the sh- winning the new audience, but David Tennant definitely made it made the doctor his own, and then Matt Smith mm-hmm. obviously after that. So yep. you know, so most most people who are in your age range age groups, which are you know thirty five to forty, kind of um, look at like the new gen- next gen. It's almost Doctor Who the next generation. What it really yeah. is, right? Because there was a long gap where it was the dark period of the late 80s and early 90s and then it just went away for a number of years. Yep. So, um, I mentioned Altered Carbon Season 2 and you asked me when it premieres. It premieres on February 27th, which is 20 days from today. And uh, I saw that the the star is actually going to be Anthony Mackie from Avengers. Oh, it's not going to be? No. No, really? He's, well, for those who haven't seen the show, the premise is that you can basically jump from body to body. Right. You just basically your your brain your brain exists on like a disc mm-hmm. and you just lop it into a new body and uh, so that's why uh, Joel Kinnaman plays the um, character whose original body was Asian so he has a, a um, an Asian name mm-hmm. and then now in this new season I guess uh, yeah he's into a, a body of an African American oh really huh. well the original yeah. character yeah is Asian right I think you mentioned that right yeah yeah Takashi Kovacs I think is the guy's name yeah okay um, yeah. so you have one more fact check for us John yeah um, we were talking about the Incredibles we were trying to figure out uh, what his name was off the top of our heads and couldn't pull it but it was Syndrome Syndrome was the character played by Jason Lee in the original mm-hmm. Incredibles yeah cool Jason Lee of, of Mallrats fame that's right uh Okay, well, let's dig into the uh, headlines. So I think, Jaime, you're up first. Yeah, so this is, I don't know if it's follow-up, because I don't think I actually ever mentioned it on the show, but it's certainly uh, my own personal follow-up, because I had seen the original tech article. So what I'm talking about is the fact that very soon an animatronic Spider-Man will swing over Disneyland. And the way it works is really cool. Uh, If you check out this article that's linked in the show notes, uh, I had seen the original animatronic testing where they have this robot that that sort of looks like a person, but it, it can bend and change its you know limb output you know, or arrangement while it's in midair which seems like a really hard thing mm. to develop and program and they they show one video of it uh you know swinging like you kind of imagine spider-man swinging on um one of his webs and then it lets go and you know contorts itself in in various ways before getting caught by a net and then they show this video that's like all right what would this look like if it's you know spider-man outfit i'm like wow that'll be really cool to seeing that, you know, over some tower or, or some other similar thing. Where, oh, look, there's Spider-Man jumping from one area to another in midair. It's, you think it's, they'll do it without wires? Like, like because he lets go. I mean, are they going to have, like, a robot that lets go of things and catches on to... Yeah, so that's the cool thing. It's not just, oh, look, you know, it's just a, a mannequin swinging back and forth. This is, you know, I, I assume they set it up behind the scenes. You know, it swings, it lets go. I'm, I'm assuming they, they will angle it so you can't see the, the net on the other side. Or it, it gets yeah. You know, after it's contorted itself, done Spider-Man, he poses and then lands in the net. And they probably have, you know, several of those, I would guess, so that by the, or a couple so they can get the next one getting ready to go before they've finished taking one out and dragging it back to uh, the starting line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, waiting for the, I'm waiting for the day when the guy wire breaks and it lands on somebody, you know. Yeah. Do you guys remember the, uh, the Spider-Man musical they did on Broadway a few years ago where like, you know, there was like reports of accidents over and over again. People 
like that falling from <laughs> yeah, the rafters. Yeah, yeah. It's just this immediately when I saw Jaime's note, I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> this is going to go well. Didn't they cancel the Spider-Man Broadway thing? They, they did. Yes. Yeah. I think after the like third broken femur, I think they canceled it. Nice. Spider-Man turn out, turn off or turn out the dark, something similar. Yeah. yeah turn off the dark. I think it was. Mm. Yeah. Mm, interesting. All right, John. Uh, yeah. So uh, this was an interesting one this week. So footage popped up earlier this week on a few different sites showing what purported to be test footage from the long rumored never seen uh, Star Wars television series that George Lucas was working on uh, for a few years. Apparently uh, they, I remember following along at the time, there was word that they had written like a hundred scripts and that they were going to do this huge thing. He was going to self-finance this whole project and he was going to have it uh, basically like make it and then market it to whoever was the most, you know, the highest bidder. Um, But we never saw it. They ended up basically starting it and then it just sort of faded into obscurity and and uh and after that that was uh, this was all pre-disney sale um and yeah it never saw the light of day so we saw this first bit of footage which is uh this clip that's on a few different sites um it's linked in our show notes walks through the first test footage for five minutes of what the show could have been like to show that it's rooted in like the sort of gritty grimy part of uh the lower levels of coruscant where you know there's a mix of of stormtroopers and scum and you know there's a sort of um hint at you know something rebellion-ish going on um and then the next five minutes of the clip are uh them actually in like the green screen studio so you actually see what they were filming um and then before like so it's before the vx uh vfx were added in um and it's kind of interesting to sort of get this look at yeah like it's 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 not perfect but it's i mean it's not bad. And so the the working title was Star Wars Underworld. So for those of you who may be aware of that one, that's uh, that's what it's called. Did, what did you guys make of this um, this footage? It's kind of weird that it sort of popped up all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, I stumbled across it on Twitter earlier before you posted this, or maybe at the same time. But um, I watched it, and, you know, it was like, wow. I'm like, okay, show me more. And there's, there is no more, right? So Yeah. yeah, yeah It I was think, interesting to see the making of part two, yeah. Yeah. I think for folks who end up checking it out after you... You, you finish this very podcast bear in mind that this is like not now right so it's very clearly not fair to compare it to like the mandalorian um, i have not yeah. seen that show but having seen just you know some of the screenshots and the the cinematography like it's it's clearly not that the the art has uh, evolved over the years but if you remember what stuff was like you know early 2000s was you say 2005 um yeah. it seems pretty good and pretty reasonable for a tv show that would have been you know uh not give us seven dollars a month Thank you very much. Uh, but, you know, brought to you by Coca-Cola and Huggies and traditional over-the-air yeah. broadcasts, right? HBO at, at at best. And you weren't paying specifically for that show as an add-on. It was just included, right? Like, it's uh, it's, it's pretty good. I'm impressed. It does make you think what could have been. I mean, you know, this, like you say, I mean, this could have been like, you know, TNG or Voyager or any other syndicated science fiction show, uh, you know, seven seasons, you know, back to back. Like, you feel like we kind of missed out. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, like, obviously, in the days of Disney Plus and Apple TV and, and Netflix, I mean, something like that could probably have a better chance of getting out there. But, yeah, maybe maybe they couldn't get any takers or anybody interested. It was probably done as a pilot kind of idea, right? So, yeah. All right. Yeah, again, this was clearly test footage. I guess they were floating it and it never came to be. But, uh, yeah, right. it was a shame. Yeah. Um, next thing up, we've got uh, word from a few different sources. So take this 
this one with a with a large grain of salt, but um, a few different places are are saying that Mad Max Five is allegedly going to start filming this fall. Um, so this would be a follow up to uh, Mad Max Fury Road. It's going to alleged title is Mad Max Wasteland, and uh, yeah, this is George Miller. This is. Uh, um, Tom Hardy. Um, this is, uh, I mean, again, I'm, if, if this is proves to be true, this is pretty exciting because that was an amazing movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks good. The question I think on everyone's mind is it took them like, I can't remember, 16 months or something, something crazy to film that last movie. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like they were in the deserts uh, for a long time filming that movie. People so, aged. Yeah. Yeah. Babies like, were born. Yeah. <laughs> apparently was not quite uh, well received by some of the cast and crew because they were out there for months at a time wow but um yeah again they start filming in the fall so we'll see it sometime around 2023 cool uh also got news this week so there is a rumor going around that uh sam raimi he of famously uh, of course evil dead 2 and um uh, he did directed, of course, the Spider-Man original Spider-Man trilogy in the early 2000s. Uh, there's rumor that he's in talks to direct Doctor Strange 2. Hmm. Um, Scott Derrickson uh, had, had been originally given the job as the director, and he apparently left the project a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so they weren't sure who was going to step in to do that. And now, uh, yeah, the, the rumor is that, um, uh, that Sam Raimi might be the guy. Now, this is a guy, obviously, a big horror background and a pretty darn good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Could be could be good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm kind Doctor of... Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, apparently. I'm, I'm kind of curious how this ends up rolling because he, he was sort of a, a director from a different era of Marvel movies. And I kind of wonder mm-hmm. now that he's got a little bit of a different sort of house style to build off of. I wonder how he, but, but yet they, they don't, they're not all the same, right? Clearly things like, like the Ragnarok are different and Dr. Strange feels different than Iron Man. And yet it, it fits. Makes me wonder what he can bring to the table, having had the experience of doing stuff like that, but also now having sort of a, a broader framework to play with instead of having to sort of make it up whole cloth yeah it'll be interesting too because i know um i I was fortunate enough to have the chance to interview sam once um around spider-man 3 and i could tell that he was um a little frustrated at the fact that he had to kind of shoehorn a lot of ideas into that third movie which i think was widely regarded as not the best of the uh, original trilogy um i I wonder if you know he gets a longer runway with the marvel movies where he doesn't have to do that where there isn't like the you know urgency to get it all out at once where you know they are taking the long road. I wonder if that'll be good for him. Uh, some nice, speaking of Disney, Marvel, and all things uh, that make money, um, <laughs> Disney Plus, uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger announced this week uh, the first uh, wave, or the next wave, I guess, the first wave of Marvel shows for uh, the Disney Plus app, and when they're arriving. We knew that we were getting uh, all these shows, but now we've got some actual dates. So, uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, is set to debut in August. Uh Season two of The Mandalorian uh, is going to be in October, and One Division is coming in December. So three really good founding mm. shows all coming in 2020. That's uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, did you guys get a chance to catch the trailer for uh, the Disney Plus? 
content. I think it was on the Super Bowl. I didn't, but yeah, I, I did, and I think I linked it later uh, in the show notes. I'm not sure if it's the same thing you saw, but I did see what was broadcast during the Super Bowl. So, Jonathan, I watched a bit. Of, I sort of watched it just for the commercials, but I don't know. Did you watch the game live or PVR it? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Because so. this year, because last year they actually showed the American commercials, like all of them, right? Yeah. This year, because because Jaime and Mark were making comments about you know uh, Smart Pack and all that kind of stuff <laughs> on the uh, it's a wicked 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 Smart, wicked smart. but uh, they had um, they had uh, they were talking about it on, on our Slack channel, and I'm like I'm looking at them going, what the hell Does, has Mark got an aneurysm or something? <laughs> and then uh, and so I'm looking around, and I happened to stumble across an article on Facebook where Time was sort of like recapping the commercials as they went by, and and then I, I saw it before it was actually broadcast on Canadian television. So they some can some commercials they let through and some they did they they blocked but they traditionally used to do that all the time uh if you wanted to watch the um the Super Bowl commercials in um in Canada you always got you know whatever the Canadian broadcaster decided you you would get to see right so but I was talking to Carol about it um before the show came on and uh before the Super Bowl apparently there's a there's a TiVo setting you can get for your TiVo in the states that will only show the commercials <laughs> so it'll, it'll it'll fast forward through the through the actual game so that's nice. Cool. Depends on what your priorities are, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, the other couple bits of Disney Plus news, um, and, and um, Jaime, I know you flagged in here that uh, they also teased the Loki series, um, which isn't coming till next year, but uh, but also nice to get a little little taste of what's in there as well. Um, they announced that uh, Owen Wilson is going to be joining the cast of uh, Loki. So that's Lightning McQueen. Yeah, those I was who say, are, that's why your headline says Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen is joining the Loki <laughs> cast. Well, he's he's Disney alumni. So, By the way, you know. I got to let you know. I don't know if you've ever looked at the show notes, but I actually use your headlines <laughs> yeah. instead of the actual headlines because they're they're usually better. Yeah, I, I usually try and have a little fun with them, so it, it works out that way. Um, we also got news this week that uh, Ron Howard teased that he's working on that Willow series, which we mm-hmm. talked about. Uh, for Disney Plus, um, we knew that there were sort of rumblings. He had mentioned in the past that he'd love to, to work on it, and Warwick Davis had mentioned that as well. But uh, yeah, he said that this is something that they're actively uh, working on. So that's, that's pretty cool news too. Well, I don't know if you guys use the IMDb app, but I, I do. And Kevin Smith does a lot of hosting at uh, at Sundance, mm-hmm. and so yeah, he interviewed Ron Howard about that uh, as well um, at, at Sundance. So a bunch of, bunch of other movies too. Now that I think about it, I probably should have added them for the notes here. But oh well, maybe next time, yep. next week. Carry on. Oh. I, I have a question too about Disney Plus. So, how do what is going to happen with these the movies that are we're seeing that have come out this summer, for instance, that are that are owned or going to be picked up by either Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever? I mean, I have the Cineplex app here that reminds me that Jojo Rabbit is now available, and uh, um, what else is available? Something else came out today. Um, when are these going to? Do we know when these are going to come on to the the streaming channels? Like, is Disney going to show their own content on the channel, or are they going to wait? They can make People pay for it first, and then you know, milk it for all it's worth, and then and then show it later. Do we do we know? I think things are still following the usual path, right? They go from the movie theater to the hotels and airlines to the uh, yeah pay per view services at home to the pay channels slash uh, uh, apps. Right. Um, yeah, I mean that was the the story about uh, the deal between Disney and Netflix was that Netflix um, was not going to have any of 
the big blockbusters anymore. They weren't going to get Captain Marvel. They weren't going to get Avengers Endgame. Um, so that you know, the the story was that they were going to start uh, getting less and less of that good content as their deal with uh, Disney winds down and Disney Plus starts to expand itself. And so those products, uh, those two movies plus a bunch of other ones, Toy Story Four just came out on. Um, Disney Plus. I guess it depends it? on what the okay. content is. Right. Because, I mean, Disney, obviously, I think they want to control their own content. So that would be the Star Wars, Pixar, Disney Studios, um, Marvel stuff. Uh, when it comes to studio releases like Jojo Rabbit, I don't know because um, I don't know who is the maker of that movie off the top of my head. But now that we're getting this fragmentation of where things are ending up, you know, it could end up exclusively at HBO Max. It could end up exclusively at, you know, um, you know, CBS, Viacom, it could end up at, you know, like any number of, of places, depending on sort of what the, what the deals are. So, yeah, by the way, the, the movies that came out this today were, um, Knives Out, Jojo Rabbit and Parasite, which are three movies that I want to see for sure. Mm -hmm. Joker's Yeah, I've been out. wanting to see, I wanted to be, wanted to see, uh, Jojo Rabbit and Knives Out for sure. And, and Parasite after you recommended it for sure. Yeah. And, um, uh, Joker's out as well already. Mm -hmm. And Ford versus Ferrari is out now too. Is it? Yeah. It's also yeah. nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. That one was amazing in IMAX and I hate to say yeah all right but your son was working so he couldn't go <laughs> yeah all right how many over to you or did we just stole his thunder no, we? well well he's got there's a few more there yeah um the link I have is I believe it's the same exact trailer right? when I saw the Super Bowl that shows us the first looks at uh Falcon and Winter Soldier Loki and WandaVision so we get mm -hmm. to see a little bit of um the Falcon basically taking over that well I guess the Captain America character but at the very least taking the shield part right that he was gifted from cap uh and we see the winter soldier looking very winter soldiery with gun you know guns and bullets and stuff we do see loki in kind of a very no pun intended low key sort of just a quick statement a quip and the thing that caught my eye the most was the wanda vision with wanda and the vision that seems to have been like several different decades worth of sitcoms is the style mm. that they chose there it's like a, a black and white leave it to beaver there's the um Wait, so what is WandaVision? I forget the premise. Jonathan, do you remember the premise? They really, they've been a little coy about it. Um, they, there's speculation that it might be tied to um, Doctor Strange and the, and the uh, was it Madness? Descent into Madness or whatever it was called there. Um, but they haven't really given it many details. Um, it looks like, yeah, exactly what Jaime was mentioning. It looks like it's sort of tied into a, uh, like, you know, I don't know if it's meant to be a dream sequence or what it is, or if she's trapped in some some sort of hallucination or, or uh, you know, whatever it is. But it's really interesting to see all those little iterations, including one of the little clips that they flash by for a couple of seconds is her in her very comic book a costume uh, with the red head uh, headdress and the um, and the red uh, long sleeve glo uh, long gloves and everything. That's that was really like for a longtime comic fan like me, that was a real like treat. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell given the, the different eras of sitcoms where they had like Leave it to Beaver it looked like they had the Brady Bunch. I'm pretty sure I also saw um, Married with Children. So different, mm -hmm. different decades. It, given the nature of the character, it's hard to tell if it was like a multiverse sort of thing, mm -hmm. or if it was leaning towards the reality bending powers that she has in the comic books. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't know, um, but look like intriguing stuff. I mean, it certainly looks like reasons to spend your monies on Disney Plus. So is that is that what it's going to finally get you over the top, buddy? Uh, the Mandalorian was going to do it, but that was going to be 
like, you know, binge it all in the free period if they have one or, <laughs> or binge it all in one month. Um, given what you said about the release dates for season two and, and where these are coming out, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure out. I'll figure out a slot. Maybe post Picard, uh, mm. depending on what the, the CBS All Access schedule turns out to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. Next. Next one, speaking of Disney, is that uh, Hulu is apparently targeting 2021 for international rollout. It still shocks me that you hear that Hulu <laughs> is a USA only thing. I could just kind of assume that everybody had it. Why wouldn't you, right? I mean, why why, why keep it to one country? But yeah. We, when it first rollout. came out, we used to be able to see snippets, like previews and stuff like that. But yeah, you'd have to be in the States to watch entire shows. But so, has it, I mean, I don't know. Alec Baldwin comes to mind. I can't remember why, but uh, for when it first came out. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just has it grown up? Is it like a Netflixy kind of thing now? And what does it look like? I, I can't really speak to it because I, funny enough, have not actually subscribed to Hulu. <laughs> Although, <laughs> longtime listeners to this show would know that my plan is since the Orville is moving over from Fox to Hulu, I'm definitely going to subscribe. But I don't feel about the Orville the same way I do about Disco or Picard, I probably yeah, will wait definitely. till all those episodes are done, similar to The Mandalorian, subscribe at once uh, it to binge in one uh, month and probably also catch up on whatever number of seasons there are of The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, right. Hmm. Now, it's funny, and here in, in Canada, we don't get Hulu, uh, but because of the way that our system of um, syndicating shows from the United States goes, Hulu can syndicate its shows to uh, cable channels up here. So shows like Handmaid's tale uh shows like runaways marvel's runaways um we got Future Man. We got uh, what else? Have we got Mindy Project. They finished the Mindy Project. Veronica Mars. They did a whole bunch of shows um, that have come up here. Castle Rock's another one. Um, that even though you can't get Hulu here, if you have Crave or if you have um, some of the other services, like even channels like Showcase and um, and Sci-Fi. CTV Sci-Fi yeah. carry some of those shows. So I wonder if it does expand internationally. If we're going to start to see some of those um, syndication. Deals dry up. Cool. All right. How's Disney Plus doing there, Jaime? <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty good, apparently, because <laughs> it's come out that they have over 28 million. That would be 28.6 million Disney Plus subscribers in the first mm. three months since it launched, which mm. exceeds the 20 million estimate analysts were thinking by the end of 2020. This is pretty huge. I mean, that's kudos. That is a very difficult thing to, to imagine that you could launch with that much enthusiasm. It's, it's not easy. And as pointed out later in the article there's uh critics who are like oh no if you don't have kids there's very slim stuff on disney plus i'm like okay but i basically paid for CB- one show cbs all access star trek discovery season one yeah. you can't talk to me about oh there's not much to watch except all this wonderful disney content that you grew up with as a child like you go watch that and, and give him a little breathing room to start creating more and more we, we literally just spent like five to ten minutes talking about all the cool shows uh either renewed yeah. or coming out new on disney plus just you know, slow your roll. Not everything, you know, even Netflix streaming wasn't Netflix streaming when it first started, right? It had a bunch of crappy stuff and then it built up more and now it has all tons of original stuff. So yeah. give it time. And, and, and there is actually a pretty strong catalog.
catalog off the hop. Again, it's the only place you can get uh, the 4K editions of all the Star Wars movies. Granted, they're the special editions, but here we are. Um, yeah, you know, obviously exclusive content. There's not a, a ton off the hop. Although, again, it depends if what you're into. There is The Mandalorian. This week, they just debuted a, a new original short film um, based on, it comes after Toy Story 4. Mm-hmm. So, again, depends what you're into. Personally, I don't, I'm in my 40s. I don't care. I'm still going to watch the Toy Story stuff. I'm still going to watch whatever Pixar stuff that I haven't seen in the theater. I'm still going to watch the Disney Studios stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's still a, a pretty deep stu- a bench of stuff. Plus, they've got Simpsons. Plus, they've got uh, Clone Wars and Rebels and, 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 like, all the Marvel cartoons. Like, it's it's a pretty staggering amount of content to launch with. Like, And, and the idea that they're just going to keep churning out originals on top of that is just, it's just uh, icing on the cake. Yeah, so I, I had never seen Black Hole, so I watched Black Hole when it first came out, and um, I just started watching them three quarters of the way through the live action Aladdin. I had a couple of family members who were big time into Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, and so those kind of shows are interesting. And that's the reason, I guess the genesis for my question was that if I'm able to see Aladdin already on Disney+, Plus, when are we going to see other movies like that? Like they're just, you know, coming from the theater practically to the streaming service, right? Which for yeah, all and they, purposes, they put the Lion King up there now too, the, the live yeah, action the, the, the Lion, King. Lion King. That's true, that's up there too, but uh, somehow yeah. I don't really care about that one. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on. Yeah, and I think we talked about uh, YouTube um, music on the other show. They're already up at 60, uh, 60 million subscribers, but up from 50, I think, a few months ago, right? So they're doing pretty good, right? Or was it 20? I can't remember. It was, it was a big number. Tw- I mean, yeah, 20 for 50, from 15, I think, right? There's not. I mean, surprisingly, you know, given that, you know, uh, Apple TV's got the brand name and and, uh, and the, the, the hardware platform and Netflix is, you know, the, the, the old boy on the block, right? These other guys are catching up, so. Not that Disney wasn't isn't a huge major thing, right? Yep. All right. Next up, speaking of catching up, if uh, you had not caught up with Lost, which ended many years ago, um, apparently all 121 episodes of that series will be streaming for free on the. I can't believe it even exists, and I totally forgot that it did. IMDb TV streaming service. What? And I say that that I didn't know because it, it doesn't even make sense because Amazon already has its own you know Prime Video service you would think this would just be part of that but it's not it's its own thing there's also there's bits of you can subscribe to mgm now through amazon i think until disney or netflix buy it right as a like a channels add-on like, like an the way add-on, you can subscribe yeah, an add-on to channel, yeah. cbs all access and hbo or or do you mean yeah. like like they own it like the way that well uh, IMDb we, i think we talked about last week that 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 uh, there's a sort of tug of war happening with uh, mgm properties it was one of our t- stories last week but i've seen um and sort of a side ad for Hooking up Am- uh, MGM to my Amazon TV subscription, so which I mm. have no desire to do whatsoever. But it's there. Mm. Yeah, they, they they talk about the other shows that are on here, and it's definitely stuff that's of an era. Ally mm. McBeal, Desperate Housewives, yeah. Malcolm in the Middle, My Soul yeah. Called Life, Ugly Betty. Like, there's definitely a lot there. Of like, uh, is is it too soon to call it nostalgia? Is it retro? Yeah, it's funny. I've seen, I saw like maybe the first four or five episodes of Lost, and then I lost interest, and then. Uh, um, but I've seen all the stars of Lost in other things now, so I'm kind of tempted to go back and catch up with that. But then I also got to catch up with all the Star Wars stuff and Star Trek stuff, and yeah, 
Too much. Too on much the, TV. It's on the long list, right? Too much TV. I, I need to get like an illness where I'm stuck in bed for like six months. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. We wish that for you too, buddy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is that the last story here? We've got one more, one more dozen of a headline. Viacom. Oh, that was the Viacom app one. Uh, Jaime, do you want to do that or do you want me to? Yeah, you, you can go ahead. I can do color commentary on that one. Okay. Um, yeah, this one will uh, particularly be of interest to Jaime who does uh, subscribe to the CBS All Access app. There's a story this week uh, on CNBC that uh, in light of this mega merger between Viacom and CBS that uh, has basically brought all of the Star Wars con- or Star Wars Star Trek content together as well as uh, a lot of content there with Paramount Pictures and um, and all of CBS's catalog that apparently they're thinking about merging that into a uh, an all new app in spite of the fact that they already have CBS All Access. Uh, CNBC reports that uh, this is still being discussed, but apparently they want to combine all of CBS All Access with all of Viacom's free and live services uh, through Pluto TV, as well as Paramount Pictures, Comedy Central, MTV, BET, and Nickelodeon, and then offer it as they do now with ad-supported and ad-free tiers. Um, That's a huge amount of content upgrade over what is currently on those um, on CBS All Access. So it's pretty cool. Um, It seems like more and more we're, we're seeing these sort of like mega packages, right? Where you sort of get a bunch of stuff all in one. I think we saw that with uh, Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus. Um, and now we're, we're getting a look at this that could be, you know, again, just sort of merging a bunch of very, um, very well-liked properties into one mega app. Uh, what say you, Jaime? I think it could work, especially if they do different tiers where uh, if you want just CBS All Access, which is largely Star Trek stuff, um, the Twilight Zone is a Lucy Liu vehicle called called uh, Why Women Kill that I noticed it's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then said, cool, if you're willing to pay more and, and more than just the, the ad supported version, which is $10 a month, uh, you're willing to go up to 15. It's like, cool. Now you've got, you know, Paramount stuff. You've got Comedy Central, which has a lot of good content, MTV, BET, and Nickelodeon, if they do it the way that Disney did with uh, The Simpsons, if you had every Nickelodeon show available, that'd be pretty sweet too. Like I would definitely like being able to see new content come out and also binge um, all of Ren and Stimpy, or if I'm feeling slow and depressed to watch Doug, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there that could be done. A little SpongeBob, you could marathon SpongeBob for about, what, three straight weeks without stopping? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, here we are at the main part of the show, uh, where once a week we take a take a look at Star Trek Picard. This week we're looking at Season 1, Episode 3, The End is the Beginning. Mm. And uh, this week it's Jonathan's turn to do the talk, the play-by-play, and we'll do the, uh, the color commentary. The, the, the peanut gallery in the background mm-hmm. here. Uh, all right, so uh, this episode opens up, uh, like last week's episode, it opens up uh, in, in a flashback. It opens up at Starfleet Headquarters 14 years prior to... Uh, 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 current Picard time. Uh, Picard and uh, Rafi Musiker are talking about the planned ev- evacuation of Romulus, and uh, Picard has clearly just come out of this meeting with the uh, the, bro- the top brass at Starfleet, and he is saying that uh, you know doesn't look like the evacuation is going to happen. They've just banned all the synths in wake of the uh, big attack on Utopia Planitia on Mars, and uh, they think that there's a fatal error in their code. 
code. So they're, they're no longer allowed at all. And that's going to be a huge problem for them in trying to get uh, the evacuation done. Uh, Rafi immediately thinks that, uh, that the Tal Shiar are behind the synthesoid attack on Mars. And um, Picard reveals that he basically put it on the table. Either they, either they agreed to his terms of trying to get the evacuation done or he's going to resign and they accept his resignation. So this is where we see uh, what we've known about for a few episodes, but the, the, the resolution of actually seeing the moment after he comes out of there kind of shell-shocked and has just been told, well, we don't, we don't need you in Starfleet anymore. Um, so that's pretty, pretty interesting little flashback. Um, we then cut to uh, Vasquez Rocks, which uh, just as an aside, I thought that was a really nice touch too. She lives, uh, Rafi, uh, whose home sort of looks a little motorhomish um, out in the, in the uh, high desert in um, California. Um, Vasquez Rocks is where they shot a bunch of the classic Trek episodes. That's where Kirk bought the Gorn and all that stuff too. Right, so yeah. again, nice little, nice little touch there. Um, so Picard has shown up there and he says, you know, hey, I'm sorry for, you know, bailing on you, but I need your help. Uh, Rafi is clearly quite pissed at him for abandoning her in the wake of um, her. Uh, it seems like she got kicked out of Starfleet. We don't really have confirmation of that. But she she says, lost her I'm security clearance, she said. And, and yeah, she, she doesn't say she got fired, although she says in the flashback that she's yeah. going to lose her job. But then afterwards, she says she lost her security clearance. I don't know if that means she was basically kicked out of Starfleet or what. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she basically, you know, uh, points out the fact that, you know, she's been living through pretty hard times. She's living away in the desert. He's been up in his chateau uh, hiding away and they haven't talked for years. Um, she's smoking snake leaf. Anybody have an insight on what snake leaf no, is? No, but I'm sure it's addictive because, yeah, a bit, a little bit of uh, sort of inside baseball. They um, On the, the episode of uh, The Ready Room this week, they um, Will Wheaton interviewed her and, and her character, uh, all the characters are flawed. I mean, that's sort, sort of the setup here in this particular uh, version of Star Trek, but um, she apparently is dealing with addiction and other things in future episodes. So Yeah, well, they, they, they cut to her later in, in later scenes in this episode where she is um, working in her home and there's bottles everywhere. So clearly she's got um, some substance issues that she's dealing with. Um, and she was also very excited when Picard showed up with her with his wine from his vineyard, too. So just a uh, si- sidebar here for a minute. And we talked yeah. about this a bit before the show, but um, Rafi, uh, for those of those of you who know our sort of iOS community and have followed the more than just code with Jaime and myself, we couldn't help but look at Rafi's character and see a lot of our friend Tammy Coron in there, <laughs> <laughs> like including, including the little, you know, the the military style hat and the and the st- sort of standoffish attitude. And what do you think, Jaime? Uh, she's armed. They have the uh, yes, <laughs> the, the the taste for you know a little little bit of drinkery like that. Yeah, it was space Tammy is I think how I put it in the space Tammy the, the yeah. pre show discussion. I was like, oh my god, I really hope Tim feels the same way. That's not just me thinking that. Um, so from there we cut to the artifact, which is of course the big giant Borg cube that is being, uh, reclaimed by the Romulans. Um, there we see for the first time in Picard, we see Hugh, uh, of course, famously the Borg who was, uh, rescued and disconnected from the, uh, the Borg collective back in the next generation episodes. And, um, so Hugh witnesses the scene that we saw last week where Soji is, uh, helping to take some of the technology off of a uh, Romulan who is um, been transformed into a Borg, assimilated, mm-hmm. and he decides he's going to do her a solid and take her down. She's apparently been asking for a chance to interview this uh, Romulan 
survivor of the Borg assimilation named Ramda, uh, who is the foremost expert on ancient Romulan myth. Can we talk about Hugh for a second? Yeah. Okay, so the, the leader guy, the director of whatever Romulan recovery, what, Borg recovery, the, the main guy, clearly a Borg, as we as you mentioned, he's got implants and stuff like that. Is he, like, supposed to be Hugh? Yeah, that's Hugh. The same Hugh from TNG? Yep. Oh, really? Is it the same actor? Yep. Really? Oh, cool. Yep. He's, right. he's got his complexion back, and it's a little hard to... Uh... Right. Well, I didn't recognize the pattern of the... I mean, obviously, I guess you'd, if you'd seen the show, you'd recognize the, the implants, right? Yep. Yeah, cool. Well, and his, the, the left side of his face has been... Looks like it's been surgically reconstructed. He's got a right. new... Uh, he's got the Jordy LaForge eyeballs. Um, so, yeah, it looks like he's uh, sort of a new version of himself, so you can be mistaken. And also, he's 20 years older, but yes, you can be yes. mistaken for not recognizing him. But, um, but yeah, it's clearly meant to be you. Neat. Cool. Yeah. Um, from there, uh, so we presume at that point that Hugh is, is you know, uh, wandering Soji downstairs. Meanwhile, we cut back to Rafi and Picard, who, uh, you know, Rafi is um, basically railing against uh, Picard and, and saying, you know, she had concrete evidence that a high-ranking Starfleet official conspired to allow the attack to go forward uh, to put an end to the rescue mission uh, for the Romulans. So pretty interesting development there. Um, and Picard says, you know, well, that's knowing that stuff. That's why I need you to come with me. That's why I need your help on this mission. I need you because you see things that other people don't. Uh, other people don't. She refuses and um, and says basically, get off my property. But as he's wandering off, she says, actually, I did find you the pilot you're looking for. His name is Rios. He'll be in touch. So there's our first sort of connection to uh, the Rios. We cut to a quick scene uh, where Commodore O, who is the head of Starfleet security, we, we met last episode, uh, shows up at um uh, what's the name of that? Daystrom. Daystrom. That's in, it, sorry. In Japan. Japan. Yes, and uh, starts asking Doctor Girardi about her interactions with Picard. So that's uh, and we'll circle back to this one. But the sunglasses. Did you guys notice the sunglasses? Well, before the sunglasses, there's something else I noticed too. First of all, we thought she was Romulan, but she's actually Vulcan. Yeah. Um, and did she not have Yoda ears, or was it just me? In last episode. This episode. She has pointed ears. No, but if you look at them, they they flare out like Yoda. Yoda's ears do not like Spock's where they're up against his head. Yeah, I'm. So, just, what is it about the sunglasses that that uh, uh, my Im- immediate mind went to Remans? Oh, really? Oh, uh, interesting. For the the distaste mm, of the, the light. The distaste for the light. Yeah. Now it could have just been sunny in Okinawa, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> there are there are a couple of couple of hints too. We'll we'll come back to the we'll go back to Remans in, in a bit, but hopefully. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we well we know from from Discovery that there's. Tech Technology to to change, um, and even there's a uh, think I think an episode of the original series where uh, somebody dresses up like an Andromedan and has a has a microphone in his uh, antennae, right? Right. Um, so it's not like, and of course we've had Kirk dressed as Romulans, and we've had you know um, uh, Riker dressed as I don't I don't think Riker with, with the forehead was dressed as a, a Romulan. He was in another another race where he had to go and assimilate them, right? Like a first contact kind of thing. Yeah, they took. They took Worf's ridges off at one point too, right? Did they made they? him look like a human. For no. uh, remember the episode where he goes down with his brother, where he's like.
like uh, he has to go look like a human because his brother's on the planet. It was Paul Servino played his brother. Oh wow! Huh. There you go. He pulled that right out of the memory banks. Mm-hmm. All right, carry on. Sorry. All right. So, uh, so, yeah. So, okay. So the human connection. Cool. All right. Yeah, something to think about. Anyway, we we can debate that one afterwards. Um. So we cut back to the uh the Borg cube, and Hugh is taking Soji into uh, a holding area, and we meet inside there a bunch of Romulans who have been de-assimilated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an interesting development too. Uh, I can't remember, is it at that point or is it later on where they, they mentioned that that was the, the only batch of Romulans that have ever been assimilated? What do you mean? Well, they mentioned at one point in this episode that, um, that that's the only time that Romulan, that they know of that Romulans were assimilated by the Borg. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause all of a sudden she does that, um, Jason Bourne thing. You're talking about when she's interviewing the, the, Oh, that's late. That's later on when she's talking to Ramda. So yeah, that, that this episode just sort of sets it up where basically they go down you get to see that there's this room full of uh, of Romulans who have been previously assimilated. Yeah. They've been uh, repatriated, but they've all looked like they've got some pretty serious um, mental health issues going on. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I thought it was interesting to note that there was a an abundance of um, Romulans of color, which I don't know. Have we ever seen Romulans of color before? I don't know. Romulans seen Vulcans of color. Yeah, that's what it, where my mind was going. I don't think Romulans. They all seem to look more or less the same and, and pasty, the heavy yeah. um, sort of brow ridges. Yeah, but there was actually the security guys yeah. uh, when they go down yeah. to the holding center and then the inside some of the, the survivors are, are clearly black and um, yeah, it was kind of an interesting, like just sort of struck me in that moment. I was trying to flash back to my several hundred hours worth of Star Trek watching thinking, have we ever seen uh, non-Caucasian uh, Romulans before? Anyways, um, so we kind back to Earth, Rafi is... Uh, doing exactly what Picard thought she would do. She's digging into the information that he shared with her that there are Romulan agents working on Earth and uh, she she gets interrupted by a, a, a digital call from Picard who basically says, you know, you're looking into this, aren't you? And she says, no. And he says, you know, I'll send you all the details I have on Maddox. She said, I don't want them. He's like, it's too late. And he sends it to her, which is a very, very funny little little scene because, again, clearly it shows that, that they know each other quite well. Um, and there we get the next scene where Picard beams up to meet Rios. He beams up to Rios's ship, mm-hmm. and there he's greeted by a very gregarious uh, person who turns out to be the emergency medical hologram. And uh, he leads him to Rios, who is sitting on his uh, captain's chair, smoking a cigar with a large piece of tritanium stuck in his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Picard asks him what happened, he just says, "Well, I didn't die." Um, so the emergency hologram is busy working away, trying to pull this piece of metal out of his shoulder, and Picard and Rios are sizing each other up. Uh, interesting little um, uh, manhood measuring contest between the two of them, uh, where uh, Picard sort of looks around and says, you know, I can tell just by looking around this place, you are Starfleet to the core, I can smell it on you. And uh, Rios basically says, you know, don't try and read my mind. You know, you can hire me if you want to, but don't try and get inside my head. Um, so again, interesting, we sort of get a little sense of the dynamic that might happen between the two of them. Um, we cut back to Earth. Rafi is going through the data that was shared with her, uh, trying to find clues, and she spots something interesting in this code. Uh, I don't know for what it's worth. It says crypto algorithm identification, Gorn egg type, quantum fingerprinting, origin, free cloud. Um, we'll figure. We'll find out what free cloud is in a few other scenes. But mm-hmm. uh, we cut back to Rios's ship, and he is sitting there. And I don't. Is it supposed to be the same hologram? It's he says 
says it's the E N H, not the E E M H. E M H. E M H. I think there's I thought two because I I'd have to go back and listen and re- pay really close attention to closed captioning. I think the very first one might have been the E M H. Yep. Uh, well, the, no, like British on. sounding one, and then and who does you know medical work, and then the yep. one that sounds like a jovial uh, Irish accent would be so, the E N H, the navigational. Navigational. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what on. I thought he said. Oh, really? Because yeah, it went fast though, so we'd have to, to check the tape uh, as it is. I, I did check it with the with the uh, things on there, and it does does say E M H and E N H, but they don't necessarily say it. But he does he does say at the end of the scene, Rio says, "You already fixed my navigational problem. Now bugger off," which makes me say it's navigational. Yeah, no, no. But he says to him, but he says, "I'm here because of a medical reason." And and on on the um, uh, ready room, the, the question was, "What does E M H stand for?" Oh, yeah. Oh. So that's weird because his accent changed from the first appearance to the second appearance. Yeah. Hmm. It's hard to tell because uh, we have seen singular programs change, like the the EMH doctor from Voyager mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. the ECH, the emergency command hologram, where his uniform even turned red. Uh, so he really? like switch into command mode. I don't remember which episode this is, but I have to look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wouldn't be unreasonable given that, you know, I could make my Amazon Echo or Google Home sound like Samuel L. Jackson if I wanted to. And <laughs> it could be Dolly Parton. Like, like, why not? Why wouldn't you for giggles? It's not something we've ever seen before. And, and it was so short. It was hard for me to tell. It was This is like one of those weird production errors where, oh, so-and-so started with a British accent and then they changed their mind in the shooting and they never went back and reshot. You know, like it, we'll have to see in future episodes if these truly are intentionally different accents. Do they mm-hmm. represent different characters? Are they different modes? I think you guys are character? way too deep onto the accent thing. And I, and I, I think it's the same character in both cases because I watched I didn't get that it's a different guy in either case. But he sounded like so posh when he, he greets Picard and then he sounded yeah. like Lucky Charms yeah. for the, yeah, the absolutely. longer conversation. That's what stuck out to me. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'm posting a screenshot for you guys by the way on the Slack. Um, so following that scene he's he's in this room. Rios mm-hmm. is, is bickering with his hologram and um, he's talking about you know the, the hologram is trying to convince him to work with Picard saying he's a good man and you know he's going to do good things and you want to be part of this and uh, Rio says you know I already have one grand heroic captain in my life the last thing I need is another one and then says you know it was 10 years ago I can still picture his brains and blood splattered all over the bulkhead which is pretty grim um, so clearly there's a lot of baggage on Rios which I think that's what the one of the defining characteristics of this um, show is obviously and you mentioned it Tim is that you know all these characters are going to have some pretty big flaws and Picard included um, which is going to give them some interesting depth to work with. Um, so we cut from there to Picard uh, on the vineyard, and he's talking with uh, Laris, and he's sort of saying goodbye, saying, "You know, well, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, going to miss this stuff." And she says, "No, you're not. You're not going to miss this stuff." He says, "Well, I'm going to miss you, and I'm going to miss Zaban, and I'm going to miss number one, my dog." But I'm, you know, yeah. And she says, "You never really belonged here." Yeah, he, um, well, he says, "I never really felt at home here." Yeah, and then we get an interesting. I, I really like this the way they did this sort of uh, two scenes flipping back and forth between um, what's happening with Soji and Hugh on the cube and what's happening at Chateau Picard. They, they sort of keep cutting back and forth these two scenes. So I'll sort of run through it the way they cut it, but it's all sort of one big scene, but played in two different locales. Um, so Soji goes in and meets Ramda on the uh, on the board cube, and Ramda is playing what looks like a game like Terror but it's called Pikmit and 
and it clearly has uh, symbology on it. And then we cut back to Picard on at the Chateau, and all hell breaks loose because the same group of uh, Romulans, the masked, black-wearing Romulans that had shown up for uh, to, to kill Dodge, show up at Chateau Picard, and they attack Picard, Jiban, and Laris. Yeah, there's a lot of pew-pew in there, and so they... Um, it's it's a pretty good scene actually. You start of, sort of get an appreciation for the fact that Zayman and Laras are not you know like we've seen them as sort of these domestic uh, you know people who work at, at Chateau Picard and are his assistants and stuff, but they're pretty badass. Um, they disarm and kill a few of those ones, and then uh, at the end of the scene, of course, one of them bursts through the door, and it's the one they didn't account for, and then that person gets felled by a blast, and it turns out that Doctor Girardi had picked up a disruptor and shot them, um, followed by the very funny line. And maybe I just stunned him. And uh, Laris points out disruptors don't have stun settings. Um, so she's a little little shaken by that one. Um, Girardi tells Picard that uh, that she had um, a visit from yeah. Commodore O and uh, that she, you know, shared all the fact that, you know, what she was doing. Uh, they strap one of the, the surviving uh, Romulan prisoners to a chair, take off his helmet, again, confirming that he's a northern Romulan. And um, he uh, is, you know, very, very um, suspicious of what it is that they're doing. So this is all interlaced with them cutting back and forth between the other scene where Ramda is starting to sort of gain a little lucidity. She's trying to articulate as she's playing this card game, as she starts connecting with Soji. Um, she says, you know, I know you. I remember you from tomorrow. And uh, we find out, you know, this sort of data download where um, Soji says, says, you know, Ramda, you were on the last ship assimilated by the cube, and you know, we're not sure what happened there, but the submatrix sub collapsed, and uh, as she's pressing Ramda for this information, Ramda's starting to get worked up, she's starting to cry, and then she says, you know, she puts down a card that shows two characters on it, and says, are you the one who dies, or the one who lives? Yeah, which sister are you? Yep. Which sister are you? And then she says, I know you, you are Web Sheneb, you are uh, you are the Destroyer, and uh, she tries to kill herself. And but we cut back to the to the scene where they're interrogating the guy, and he says, yeah. "She's the destroyer." She's the, the destroyer, yeah. yeah. And then so he does kill himself. He spits the the science, that evil spit or whatever. Onto. Yeah, and he almost he almost gets Zaban, uh, who has to quickly take off his jacket as it disintegrates. Um, and then we yeah we cut back to um, uh, see Ramda who grabs a disruptor off one of the guards and tries to kill herself, but. Soji, uh, with her un unknown to her abilities, dashes across the room and pulls the disruptor out of her hand and stops her, um, you know, betraying the fact that she's got some pretty pretty good skills there. Um, so Soji's pretty shaken up by all this. Uh, she goes to her quarters and she dials up her mom and she says, you know, is Dodge okay? And her mom says, oh yeah, Dodge is fine. She's thinking about buying a dog. And, and so something is clearly amiss there because we know that Dodge is not okay and we know that Dodge has already contacted her mom in a previous episode and said, I'm scared. Things are going wrong. Things are going bad. Um, so, so here's my theory on that part right there is yeah. that the mother's message is actually coding. Yeah. Cause she, she basically puts her out, right? Yeah. So as she says that, uh, Soji, while she's talking to her mom, basically passes out in the bed mid call. Mm -hmm. And when she wakes up, she doesn't have a, 
she doesn't say anything about it. She doesn't make any reference to it. She's not like, oh shit, I hung up. Uh, darn. Oh darn, I woke up and uh, you know forgot that I fell asleep during a conversation with my mom. Um, so Narek, the uh, ne'er do well, uh, scheming, scheming, pretty uh, looking male uh, Romulan shows up and is sort of trying to throw her off the scent, saying, you know, oh, you know, don't don't worry your head about that. I'll, you know, I'm in love with you, and you know, don't you worry about it. Well, she sort of he, she says to him when she sees him that you know, um, how did I know about the the ship, and how did I know that this is the last Romulan? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, she says she doesn't know how she knew all that classified information. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. nobody yeah. else knows how she knows it either, right? So, yep. Um, we cut to the next scene where we see Lieutenant Rizzo from the previous episode, who we now know is also um, Narek's sister. Uh, she shows up and she's looking very much more distinctly Romulan. Uh, she has her ears back and she has a little sort of nasty uh, mustache twirling scene with uh, Narek where she sort of says, you know, you know, you better figure this out. If you if you think you can get through to her with this, you know, seduction thing versus my, you know, uh, chaining, to her, chaining to her to a wall, then you better get on with it. Um, so obviously there's going to be a little bit of a push from now on on what's happening there. Uh, we cut back to Earth. Well, on, the, is, before we, as she walks down the hallway did yeah. you not notice her shoulders no she was wearing a reman outfit Ooh, with the raised sho- with that. the raised shoulders did not notice that did you notice that Hamid? i did not because in my notes i wrote down um holy lannister batman there was a lot of <laughs> weird incestuous sexual tension yeah, yeah, between the yeah, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i got totally yeah, distracted they were talking awfully close for brother and sister yeah she's like oh i smell her on like oh, smell i don't think i'd ever say that to a sibling, <laughs> yeah. Even if yeah, she says something on, yeah, she says something about a carnal smell, and like, um, maybe don't tell your mm. siblings you can smell carnal things about them. Uh, so we cut back to Earth, and uh, Gerardi is, you know, coming down off of the fact that she just killed someone, and she basically says, "Supercard, you know, I told uh, Commodore O everything except for one thing, and that's that I'm coming with you. If you're going to go out there and you're going to find uh, Soji, I want to be there. I have to do this. I'm the you know planet's foremost." expert on, on synthetic life. I have to be there to meet this uh, this synthetic person. Um, so we get the two of them beaming up to Rios's ship, and when they get there, they find Rafi is sitting there at the controls next to Rios. She says that she's found Maddox, that he's on free cloud, and that she's planning on coming along, but she's not there for him. She's just going to go find Maddox because she wants he has some business. And of course, we finish the episode with something I think everyone's been waiting for. Engage! Engage! And the ship zooms off in the same direction as the Next Generation Enterprise. I should have mentioned uh, earlier on, there there was that, like, it was brief, but we did get the uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture mm. sexy shot of the new ship. Yeah. Uh, they, they, like, pan over the side, pan around well, the was front. The, and the TNG theme song, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's well done. Yeah. So uh, they don't give us the name of the ship that yet, yet though. I, I didn't catch that. Hmm. Yeah, they haven't said it on the show. Um, I think people online have been saying La Sirena. What and what is? I don't know. I got to see what that means. I, I want to say it was like Serenity, but I don't know. Let me see. That would be funny. I posted a picture on the Slack. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. I had, I had to. I couldn't take a screenshot off my phone because they don't let you take screenshots of movies. But uh, oh, this is much more straightforward. Sorry. Uh, while while I looked that up, 
the siren. The siren. Okay. Which mm. I'm going to assume, I'll have to find out. I'm going to assume they mean like the mythological kind and not the police kind. Right. Yes. Yes. If you look at the picture on Slack there, folks, it's a picture of Commander O, Commodore O. Right. With her, with her men in black Ray-Bans. With men in yeah. black Ray-Bans. But, but I also, I also noticed the very Yoda-like, you know. Yeah. Her ears definitely project a little further, don't they? Yeah. 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 But yeah, I just thought it was an incredibly weird thing to have a character in sunglasses and immediately especially, thought especially a Vulcan why would a character be wearing sunglasses and that was the first place my mind went was back to Star Trek Nemesis where of course the, the Remans they're uh, perpetually in shadow so they don't yeah. like mm. bright light and uh, yeah that one really sort of jumped out at me as maybe there's a whole Reman thing and now that you've mentioned the uh, the thing going on with Lieutenant Rizzo too yeah and she was um, in the dark too right because technically yeah so I wonder if there's a little little subplot that is going to start playing itself out yeah there's there's a lot going on here because last time we'd said so was this like a romulan or is this who's knowingly in starfleet is are they a romulan who's pretending to be vulcan are they actually vulcan and we only got part of that answered so far where the the claim at least is that starfleet believes he's vulcan which is still kind mm-hmm. of tbd as to whether that's true and and, and see what else is going on well it, it's it's kind of rare to have a vulcan villain though isn't it like in in, in star trek lore like aren't they always sort of a logic logical and i mean other than you know it's gonna say star universe. trek six huh star trek star trek six yeah it was star part, trek six? part of the villainy there um uh, the logic oh, yes, extremists and yes. discovery right right okay okay uh, arguably to some degree the um the maquis in um ds9 and voyager yeah yeah because tim russ was a was a maquis wasn't he or he was working no, as he was speaking um yeah he was undercover that one uh i was thinking of the one that quark talks to in the in the holding cell talking yeah. about the the price of peace is at an all-time low then now is the time to get peace um yeah. th- there's some other discussions so if if you go down the path of is she really if she is really a vulcan why is she wearing the sunglasses? And this is a little bit out of my uh, expertise in terms of remembering the Vulcans in the inner eyelid and how that works. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that I've seen online that people say, well, uh, Spock in, I think, a TOS episode or something, we're like, oh, no, he's blind. But no, actually, Vulcans, uh, you know, have some sort of inner eyelid thing that protected his eyes from something that blasted him in the face. Oh, is this right? the one where he's not supposed to look at the uh, the guy who's in the box? Something like the that. The Maria Moldar episode where she was the blind woman who she was his companion because she was blind he, he could she, if you looked upon this for type of race and and spock the the guy the the alien takes over spock's body and talks and laughs and smiles and talks to them all and then, then he has to go back in but he forgets to put the visor on but when spock when he when he leaves spock's body spock is looking into the box and and uh when he becomes spock again so there's that one that was sort of vaguely in my mind and, and it sounds like you remember it better than i do Mm-hmm. And the other one that people have brought up is from Enterprise, uh, where T'Pol, I think it's called The Forge is the episode. They said that mm-hmm. uh, Archer and T'Pol are on some desert planet, and it comes up there again as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. So what's unclear to me is, do they do they have like eyelids that act like they are um, sunglasses or some sort of UV filter? Or are they more of a, an emergency thing, the way that your, your eyes will close up automatically if something is, you know, endangering your eye? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or or what? Like, how does it work? Because I'm, I'm I'm really unclear at how to address the 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 claims around the Vulcan inner eyelid. Because I just don't remember how it works in the mythology. Mm-hmm. Do you know? 
the other thing I'll point out with Commodore O that that really blew my mind is people said, "Oh, you know who that is? That's Tamlin or yes, Tamlin Tomita." I'm like, "Who the heck is that?" It's like she was the love interest in Karate Kid Part Two. Oh, really? Oh, which <laughs> also takes place in Okinawa. There you go. I was like, "What?" Like that's the actual <laughs> actress you mean? Yeah, and I looked it up on IMDb. I'm like, sure enough, she played huh. uh, Kumiko. Yeah, oh. yeah. And if you look at her IMDb photo, you'd be like, "Oh, I I kind of think they did the best they could with the 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 Yoda <laughs> ears you're talking about." Right. right. Yeah. I think the actress is actual. They, they have to pin her ears back if they wanted to. Uh, oh, because she's already got ears that stick out. You mean? Or I mean, at least the picture that we show here, I can I can kind of imagine if you added a prosthetic to it, how it would yeah. Uh, yeah. it would lay on the side of the head. Mm. Why am I not seeing the episodes here? So three. Oh, they haven't updated the the uh, IMDb page yet. Oh no, she's in the oh end of the beginning. Here we go. Just trying to see the cast list here. What's her name again? Oh, Sumi. No, that's Soji's mother. The character's name is Commodore O. If yeah, you're... Tamlin, Tam, Tamlin Tomita. Tomita. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Good catch, buddy. Hmm. Yeah, that was There's just sort of random wolf. when people said, oh, guess who that is? I'm like, what? There's no way. Hmm. Um, what, what else did I put in my notes here? I put the uh, get two friends to join free cloud and get more storage space. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was an entertaining name. I'd be very curious to see what that ends up being like in the future episodes. Well, in this in the episode uh, in this episode, we see the scene where when Raffi sees Free Cloud, it like looks like it's rolling dice. So it looks like it's like a gambling site or something like that. Like it really does look like uh, um, you know some sort of fly by night casino or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of like yeah. She kind of dismisses it as soon as she sees it, right? Which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it only took three episodes. We're finally hitting into space. Yeah, and, and it's, it's sort of like you know, as soon as he did the engage thing and was ready to go, now now I'm ready to start watching the show. Okay, let's let's go, right? Yeah, yeah. And now we have to wait a whole week. Suddenly, suddenly it became uh, bingeable. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's interesting to me for these first three episodes where they do sort of feel like if you just put them together back to back, they would be more or less a premiere, like a hour and a half, two hour premiere movie, of yeah, yeah. typical show. And it does make me wonder, given that the name is uh, the end is the beginning, um, if that's pretty appropriate. Like you look at what ended up happening, they they set up the premise, and by the end of the third episode, if it was part of that same premiere, they basically set up, and now we go do the adventure. Right, right. By the way, I wanted to talk one thing about the the Romulans on the ship because are in the cube because did you not catch the thing where she says, "Are all the Romulans in the?" And it was sort of like the one flew over the cuckoo's nest wing of of the cube. All yeah. the Romulans Romulans are a little, a little loopy after being assimilated. Yeah, clearly mm-hmm. there's some some serious damage done by being assimilated. But it sounds like it worked both ways. It sounds like it also. Um, well, they say it, it disconnected the cube, right? Yeah. So something about their their uh, minds, yeah, messed up the whole uh, whole thing. Well, and that's what she's trying to get to when she's talking with with uh, Ramda, right? Yeah. She she says that you. Let's add the line in here. Um, submatrix. The submatrix collapsed. And then she's talking about this whole idea of mm-hmm. the shared mythology mm-hmm. um, that may have basically been so um, ubiquitous in Romulan culture that it basically crashed the Borg. Right, right. So the Romulans are essentially a computer virus. Right, right. Well, she also, and I like the fact that, uh, and she also likes the fact that they don't call their mythology mythology. They call it news. The news. The news. Yeah. Yep. No, this was good. This is, uh, again, I think the table setting, it's, it, you know, we talked about 
sort of the pacing off the top of the first episode and the fact that, you know, they're not just like, you know, pew, pew, pew. They are really sort of taking their time. They're introducing the characters. They're fleshing it out. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that it took them three full episodes to get to, okay, we've got a spaceship. Let's go. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a nice slow burn. It's not like just, you know, uh, nonstop straight action kind of show. Right. Jonathan, D- Jonathan Del Arco is uh, Hugh. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just looking through some of his pictures here to see if there's. And I think this episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Number really? One. Number one. Hmm. Well, isn't that interesting? So we're going to dive into uh, Doctor Who. Do you want to do Doctor Who this week? Sure, we could. Um, my first comment about Doctor Who this week was another one of the Save the Planet episodes, right? Yeah, that's where my my <laughs> views on this one went. Where like, did they just discover that there's a problem with the environment in England? Like, this is the second episode this season where they're like pummeling you with premise of environmental holocausts and damage to the environment and it was not a great episode and they did the same thing that they often do in Doctor Who where they compartmentalize we went from last week's episode which was a real like you know whoa big big things happened we got introduced to a new doctor and what's the mystery and there was not one reference to it it may as well have just not have not have happened hmm. and that's not the first time Doctor Who's done that they're very well known for their sort of compartmentalized episodes and stuff but mm-hmm. after what was a sort of mid-season ta-da kind of moment last week boy this this was kind of yeah, um, I think it's the second last episode of the season this one yeah no I think there's a two-part two-part finale to the season is there okay so because I, I read that online um um, so I don't know if next week is the next, the start of the two-part finale or not. I, I must admit, I don't know where we're at in the season. On it, but, um, well, season 12, see. let's see. Oh, no, you're right. There's 10, 10 episodes. There's 10 episodes coming. So this is this was six, Praxis. Yeah, so we've still got four episodes to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and But apparently the last two episodes are robot man-centric, and they are um, going to be uh, sort of tied together. So I don't know what that means for episode seven and eight, if we're going to get any more sort of plot development towards this sort of big, uh, who is the new Doctor? How do they not know each other all that kind of stuff uh or if that's going to sort of carry over but um but yeah this just sort of felt like a bit of a backslide like it was not a particularly compelling episode um and the fact that it didn't pick up last week's sort of big mystery reveal kind of felt like a like a missed opportunity uh Jaime as our, as our newbie Whovian what do you uh, what do you make of that yeah I'm a little confused and granted I'm still getting used to what Doctor Who is like totally but there are weird things where uh it definitely feels more like um like broadcast TV, right? Where, you know, episodes are largely self-contained and maybe occasionally there'll be some story arc, right? Like they had the, what was that villain dude? Tom Shaw, I think was the, the villain last uh, last season. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the the alien in the first episode and he shows up mm-hmm. later on. Yeah, yep. he shows up like once or twice more, right? Yeah. Um, they haven't had a lot of that and I did think that the, the, the other doctor was going to be the, the sort of setup for that. And so it's hard for me to understand how it's supposed to fit together and the the tone of things is a little sort of weird where oh you know this person exploded in the dust and this normal human who doesn't who's not a companion just a normal person is like oh well that's mildly inconvenient isn't it (laughs) (laughs) i feel like these people should be screaming and run away and be scared like it's 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 a little hard for me to figure out yeah Yeah. the whole the whole astronaut missing astronaut thing and he shows up in a different place and um that was odd um but it's interesting it's 
it's it's kind of it's kind of the fun thing about Doctor Who is how the Doctor will just show up on a scene and be caught up immediately, like you know, like doesn't have to be filled in on the on the things. And um, what, yeah, it feels like they they were chasing a different angle on the same adventure and just happened to intersect with what was happening. Yeah, and does your cat talk, um, Jonathan? Does my cat talk? Yeah, it was this, this was the episode where she says, "And there's a talking cat in Ontario." I did you miss that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't think that's my cat. My cat would not be smart enough to learn a language. Well, she's talking about all the strange things that are happening in, around the world because they're like, hey, doctor, did you see what just happened? Because yeah, yeah, she, this, there's this happening and that happening and there's a talking cat in Ontario and there's another thing happening and yeah. Oh, I, missed that, I missed that line. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, no, my cat is not smart enough to learn how to talk. Mm. Uh, he's he's purely decorative. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, I mean, some some Doctor Who episodes are just not memorable and, and I'm having a hard time remembering this one. Other, I'm looking at the, you know, they're, they're in Madagascar. So, they, so the, the, I guess there was one character, of course, who was like not really who she says she was and they go into mm-hmm. this other is it another dimension or they go inside the earth i forget what they do they go inside the yeah earth, they're right? under the ocean they're yeah they're under, under the ocean, ocean yeah. right they're under the garbage patch and in the ocean and mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yeah again it is especially in wake of you know we've had six episodes to get to like six episodes and have like episode three and episode six both be like yeah by the way the world's in tough shape like we know thanks thanks for catching us up yeah, yeah. did i talk to um, you guys about miracle workers yet Miracle work? No, I don't think we. Miracle? I don't think we have. Mm. Uh, Certainly not the Dark Ages season. We might have mentioned it last year. Oh, oh. So you, you know about this show called The Miracle Workers? Was it on last year? Yeah, last year. So this is the one with Daniel Radcliffe and yeah, Steve yeah. Buscemi. Yeah. yeah. Last year was about Steve Buscemi as God and Daniel Radcliffe and I forget who the other. Did you actresses. watch any of it? I did. Yeah. So I just, I just, well, I just caught the last uh, four episodes. I guess they were rebroadcasting them or whatever. Because yeah, I think Dark Ages comes out in a couple of weeks or something like that right but um um my favorite the, my favorite part was where they're talking where he's he's trying to go to his parents to get more of course god has parents right so going to his parents to get some more funding for his next project was going to be a, some weird restaurant called lazy susan right and uh his brother and his sister there who were much more successful are sort of saying you know like his ideas are, god's ideas are always like weird and look at that that place and and um his father keeps calling it well yeah tell us about your your little hobby project turd because no, no it's called earth <laughs> and uh yeah it taught, just it was it just reminded me like this whole bit about under the ocean reminded me of, of that episode there where um you know god sort of throws together these this this planet of earth and and you know and uh he's like and they're like well come on tell like think about some of the things you've done on earth it's really kind of dumb he goes he goes explain explain to dad what a cow is right and he goes well a cow is a dog you can drink from right <laughs> yeah. he says he says what's uh what's a dog he goes well a dogs you know a, like a, a, an animal that you can be friends with. And he goes, well, okay, come on. Explain a giraffe, right? And he goes, well, a giraffe is a dog with a leg for a neck. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, interesting show. Yeah, the, yep. the, the, the new season, I guess they're going to do like an anthology series thing, kind of mm-hmm. like uh, American Horror Story, where every season is a completely different plot line. Well, I think we have to go back to Black Adder for that one, which is another British show you don't know about. Anyway, go ahead. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'm not saying that this is like a like a, a, a novelty sort no, of thing. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the Dark Ages series, which is maybe two episodes in, yeah. um, uses the same actors, but as far as I can tell, there's no connection at all to the first season. Oh, really? The same, same actors, but just different roles? Yeah, yeah. Really? Okay. So now they're just sort of uh, individuals, human beings in the medieval times versus uh, being angels and gods in the first oh, season. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. So, it, so coming back to Black Adder, so you know who Mr. B 
Green is, right? Uh, Rowan Atkinson? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so he was he had a show called Black Adder, which was on BBC. I think they did four or five series, and each of the series, like, they would do... It started out in the Middle Ages, like, like real, in the Dark Ages, right? And he was sort of a courtier, and, and uh, he had a, a little sort of... Um, uh, what's the name of the, the bumpkin that follows him around? Um, he has this little, little assistant guy, and uh, he, he has all these misadventures of trying to, you know, trying to become, you know, more famous as a, as a middling courtier. He wants to be like more famous and get to know the king and all that kind of stuff. And um, and then the next season is the same same bunch of characters or same like same names and everything, but they're it's kind of, kind of like his ancestors, you know, like a hundred years later kind of thing, right? And um, descended. Yeah. So then at one point he's in. In, in uh, like the king, I think it's in France because Hugh, Hugh Laurie, you know, House, he plays this really nutty prince um, who's one of the gang, and, and that's pretty funny. And then the last series, I think, was in the trenches of World War One, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, where Atkinson is a is a like a captain, and and Hugh Laurie is also in there too. And uh, Baldrick is the name of it. Mm. <laughs> that's right. Uh, it, it's basically like pre Harry Potter. Every star in England was in it at some yeah, point, yeah. right? It's it's Rowan Atkinson. It's Hugh Laurie. It's it's a bit like Monty Fry, Python too, yeah. Miranda Richardson and uh, yeah, Robbie Coltrane's in it, yeah. and Jim yeah. Broadbent's in it, and yeah, it's it's hilarious, is what it is. Yeah, they put out a box set of like the four series or five series a few years ago, and it's probably it's probably on the Netflix if you look around for it. But yeah, when the guy who plays Baldrick has he's gone on to do archaeology like documentary shows and they're really good too. But, but uh, yeah, sort of you know, it, 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 Rowan Atkinson does these kind of characters. I mean, Mr. Bean sort of you know became the his uh, his Batman kind of character. Or like you know, he kind of got typecast into that role, you know. So I saw him saw him interviewed recently, and he said that uh, he was walking along, and somebody said, "You know, you look a lot like Mr. Bean." Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, for the record, the the guy who played Baldrick is Sir Anthony Robinson, Tony Robinson, Tony Robinson. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he was knighted for his work in in archaeology. He does all these really cool shows. Carol watches that one religiously. Mm-hmm. And they get out, they dig, they dig through all of England to find you know relics and things like that. Yeah, yeah. He does all the things for like the History Channel. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to our. Um, since we're not talking about Doctor Who anymore, let's move on to our watch list. Um, I'll go first. Um, so I, it was interesting. I just stumbled across this one on Twitter, and it was. Uh, I was because I have a. We have a Spock cha- Spockcast Twitter account, and it's at Spockcast. Uh, for those of you transporting at home, feel free to follow us. But uh, so every now and then I get notifications about uh, what's going on over there, and and this one came up on the feed, and it was a uh, um, a lady named who calls herself Weather Ka- Weather Ka- on um, on uh, Twitter, and uh, she uh, is a weather girl, and she's uh, um, she's done a weather forecast like a star like a, a Starfleet or, or a Federation weather forecast um, dressed up in you know uh, like a TNG outfit. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of inter- interesting that she gives you know the the if you're going to rise, uh, you'll you'll know, bring your sunscreen and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's actually it's done like a, a proper weather forecast. I think she must have done it for um, just before the premiere of, of Picard. So it's mm. kind of fun to watch that one. My second pick was, and this this is a flashback, and uh, Jonathan and I went and saw Kevin Smith last week uh, roll out the uh, Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot. A reboot? What do you call it? Um, reboot Roadshow. Reboot Roadshow, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Jason Mewes wasn't there, just just Kevin Smith. And um, he had, he after the show, he had a question and answer period where he uh, 20 people lined up and he answered four questions. But before he answered the first question, he probably talked for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Own, right, but um, 
Um, yeah. So, anyways, so this is this is uh, it's fun. I, you don't. I mean, there's no visuals. It's just Kevin Smith talking. But he does like we do the recaps of the of uh, the various Star Trek shows that we watch here, um, Discovery and Picard. He does a recap of the Rise of Skywalker. Now he's a he's a fan of Rise of Skywalker, but um, he does a sort of play by play of the whole movie. Right? He'd seen it like four times by the time he did this. This is early December when just it probably had just come out. Um, but it's him going on for I think probably pretty pretty much an hour. Um, just talking about this movie and his commentary is hilarious. Like, first of all, if you ever see him talk live, but, um, you know, he gets emotional at some points during, during the, this particular talk, but it's like him just rattling on about, uh, about, uh, the rise of Skywalker. And he does throw in some of his, you know, WTF things. Cause like, you know, like we've said about, uh, rise of Skywalker, he's not, he doesn't hold a blowtorch to it. Like Jonathan did a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he, it is uh, interesting. To, to be fair. Uh, we should also mention that Kevin is a massive, Massive stoner, and he was high when he recorded that, and he was high when you saw the movie. So, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that might have skewed his perspective on the film. Maybe. I intend that might I have fully been, intend to get really got, high next time I watch it too. Yeah, you might have got you might have got emotional and whatever, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Just just put it on the background and do whatever it is you're doing, wash the dishes or whatever. But it's it's funny to sort of hear him recap the whole movie. Yep. Um, if you do want to continue down that rabbit hole too, so he does a podcast uh, called. Batman Beyond mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Mark Bernardin, who is a uh, Hollywood uh, scriptwriter as well as a former journalist, mm-hmm. and they do this one together where the two of them uh, sit down at this uh, this bar in L.A. and they basically do pop culture kind of stuff too. Um, when they did that one together in December, where they they did their collective uh, share with the crowd mm-hmm. of uh, Rise of Skywalker, Mark and I are very much on the same page. Uh, okay. I listened to that a few weeks ago. And it made me laugh really loud because it was like it was like hearing an echo of, right, of right. a lot of the same issues I had with it. Mark Bernardin had with uh, with the way that that movie was put together. So. Yeah, it's funny. I watched a f- I listened to a few podcasts at the time because there's a few like sort of uh, um, I think incomparable is is a is a podcast group of people and there's some you know relatively famous people in in our realm of the world like that I mean I work in and um, they talk about they talked about uh, Star War Star Wars. They did a live one in the states and then they did they an english crew did a live one in england right and um mm-hmm. yeah there was a lot of um while they were their you know their brows were furrowed over a lot of things too but uh they i don't know maybe they weren't trying to do spoiler stuff but that may be why but um yeah they all came out like pretty much you know like not really like maybe not being super honest about what they really saw i mean you know mm-hmm. uh who's it john I syracuse i think uh i mean i don't know if you've ever heard him talk about star wars but he he tends to be very hypercritical of things in fact i think he has a podcast called hypercritical or a website <laughs> yeah that's right i, I do think yeah. he covers things in probably the most fair way right yeah i think he's pretty pragmatic about the, his approach to reviewing there yeah yeah like he like he uh, and he even talks about how he rated um how he rated this movie compared to any and he even compared to his, how he rated the earlier movies like the force awakens or whatever and he didn't give it he gave it like three stars out of five you know even as a, as a super fan right so so yeah i think he's he's sort of in there too like they it wasn't great it was a good movie but it wasn't a great movie right mm. so 
All right, so over to you guys, Hame. Yeah, I've got a, a blog post here by David Garcia, who's uh, from Rex, which I guess is like a like a um, real estate services sort of thing. Looks like they have buyers and sellers services, and I guess mm-hmm. maybe every once in a while they have to build stuff, probably for staging houses. And the thing that they chose this time is to build the captain's chair from uh, the original Star Trek, Captain Kirk's chair, but with mm. integrated Google Assistant capabilities. So when you <laughs> flip one of the little magic buttons, it does the kind of sound and then you can you can tell it things like uh what is a red alert yellow alert beam me up more power the engines and con <laughs> oh and I what does it what does it do when you say con i don't know he didn't he didn't record that part there's a little video and it makes me wonder what in the world it does with those commands <laughs> it starts firing at ricardo maltabon <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know there, but it, I thought that was kind of a, a timely thing that, um, you know, maybe people might be inspired to try that as well. I'm, I'm certainly not handy enough to do this sort of thing, but uh, maybe somebody else might be. Yeah, cool. cool. All right. My uh, my watch list item is the last one. So um, as you guys may know, one thing that has happened over the last uh, few years since Disney took over the Star Wars universe is that they basically uh, undid all the previous expanded universe stuff that had been done all the comics all the all the tv show or all the uh, all the comics and all the books and things that were done about the star wars universe uh had basically been wiped out none of that happened but what they've said now is that everything that they put out now whether it's a book comic book a video game television show all of it is considered in canon now hmm. anything that happens in the star wars comic is just as valid as anything that happens on screen in in the estimation of of uh, our lord and master disney's so, uh, spoilers for those of you who may not want to know what's happening in the new Star Wars comic books, but, uh, Marvel Comics publishes Star Wars comics. The first series that they put out was set between, uh, Star Wars A New Hope and Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, and it sort of tells a whole storyline that sort of bridges the, how do they get from Yavin to Hoth, mm-hmm. and they ended that series and they've restarted a new one, and the new one is set in, uh, the time frame between Empire and Return. And so they kick this one off with a bang where uh, it actually solves a a mystery that we all came out of uh, Force Awakens with, and it sets up a mystery that is going to make sure that you're going to re- want to read this comic for a little while. And that is what? how did the lightsaber that was chopped off along with Luke's hand end mm-hmm. up at Maz Kanata's? So right. in issue number two of this new series, go read it, spoiler alert, we see that when Luke and Darth Vader are having their lightsaber duel out on the edge of uh, Cloud City, and Luke gets his hand chopped off, that as his lightsaber and his hand plummet down, we see someone reach out and catch the lightsaber. What? And it is a person whose face is covered and obscured in this issue, but someone was waiting, watched their fight, and caught Luke's lightsaber. Dun, dun, dun! So, I am very excited for uh, the continuing story that they're laying out here. And I think if you're a Star Wars fan, uh, it's probably worth either picking up these issues or waiting until they've collected it in a collected edition. Or you can go on to Comixology and uh, read it there if you're so inclined. But I think we're going to get a really interesting story that may be filling in a pretty interesting backstory that uh, all of us have been wondering about the last few years. So that is my watch list. Hmm, interesting. Star Wars number two. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Redux. 
Yes. <laughs> Star Wars again. All righty. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, how will they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Div with the Hair. And Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at GPK News. All right. And I am on most of the socials. T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. That's Tim Mitra on the socials. Mostly Twitter. And until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. sci-fi stuff. Are we going to go see um, Birds of Prey? I don't know. I don't really have any desire to. Is there any reason why we should? I don't know. It seems like it's getting good uh, good initial feedback and oh, yeah? um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, see, I've, I've always heard two things. One is don't go see a movie in August and don't go see a movie a week before the Oscars. <laughs> Well, it's only three days before the Oscars. But, well, you know. yeah. The point is, you know, you, you hide things <laughs> that, you know, people aren't going to care about around the Oscar time, right? Yeah, I don't think there's a risk of this movie winning an Oscar no? uh, or or being confused for an Oscar picture. I think it's... Um, well, who else is in it besides um, Roby? Uh, that's a good question. I know um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in it, too. She was the girl in um, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Ewan McGregor, um, I believe, is the villain. He's Yeah, he plays back Black Mask. He's the bad guy. Guy. Yeah, Rosie Perez, Perez is in it. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes is saying 82% critics and 86% audience. Yeah, so it's it's looking good. Uh, let's see. If this Ali Wong's in it. That's unusual. Mm-hmm. No movie stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I thought, you know, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn was by far the best part of that um, Suicide yeah, Squad that's movie. That's true. That's true. And um, I do think it's good. This is also, we should definitely. Uh, point out this is directed by a woman too. It's at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank uh, good to see that getting some opportunities for um, mm-hmm. women filmmakers. Yep. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd be down to watch that. All right, well, check it out. I don't know what it's rated. Check out the skids. I wonder if the boy wants to see that. He watched uh, Suicide Squad. Did he? Mm. In the theater? Or? No, he watched it. I think when it came out, he was but a boy. But a lad. But a lad. <sighs> Playing in 40X, we could see what happens. We've been looking for the opportunity to go see a 40X movie. Mm-hmm. All right, gotta run. All right, All right. All right. till next gotcha. time. Okay, bye. Talk to you next week, guys. Okay, bye. Yeah. Bye. The button for this thing.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.